Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so excited that you join us today. And wherever you're listening from or whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you are encouraged. And if you ever want to join us in person, you can always join us at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. But we love you and we hope that you're encouraged today. Today we're going to kick off our Christmas series called The Gift. Y'all say The Gift. And it's not named after the really bad, cheesy Christmas song, The Gift. Yeah, The Gift. I don't know. That's the only part I know of it, but I really don't like it. Um, but it's based off uh, the gifts that the wise men brought Jesus, okay? Those, we're going to talk about these gifts a little bit today. And we're going to be looking at the story from the perspective of Matthew 2. And I want to start by giving you a little context of kind of what's happening here. If you don't know, Jesus was born in a little town called Bethlehem. Great. Under the reign of what king? Herod, all right. Oh, we got some we got some Bible nerds up in here. And the wise men or the magi, they traveled a really, really long way. We don't even really know how far, but it just says they came from the far east and they came to visit Jesus. They came for a long way and they came to worship Jesus. Now, how many of you have nativity set up at your house right now? At least one nativity scene set up at your house in the front yard, by the fireplace, somewhere. Okay, we don't have any, do we? We're not a nativity family, all right? Sorry, all right. but we, but you have nativities. How many wise men were are in your nativity set typically? Come on, y'all don't be shy. How many wise men? Three, but here's the interesting thing. The Bible actually doesn't say how many wise men there were that came to see Jesus. We assume three because they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and so we just kind of say three people, three wise men came. But really, in reality, there probably was way more than three. There may have been even dozens of people that traveled with the wise men to come to Jesus because they traveled so far. It likely took a lot of resources and people to get out there. Uh, but we, so we don't know how many there were. There, there, you know, people think at least three, but who knows, right? We don't really know. But what we do know is that these wise men, they were incredibly smart people, all right? They were really, really smart. They were educated. They were most likely very wealthy, okay? They were most likely very wealthy, and they were probably very, very important people uh, in the kingdoms that they came from. Like, they were probably really important people, so they were almost on like a diplomatic trip, right, to come see what this fuss was all about, and they traveled all the way to see what was up with this star. They saw this star in the sky, and they traveled the whole way to go visit what was happening with this star. It says this in Matthew 2. It says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. Y'all say house. This is why we think that the wise men came much time after, like probably a year, two, three years after Jesus was born because Jesus was not born in a house. He was born in a little manger in like a stable or like a cave somewhere nearby. So this give, this gave them enough time to get on their feet, to be in a house. So that he came, they came into the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And what that, that, what that picture is painting is Mary was most likely nursing the baby. The baby was with Mary. She was holding him. She, she was probably feeding him in some, some sort of way. And they bowed down. Down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest. They came prepared. I love this. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
Now, we have three beautiful children, Reuben, Ellie, and Lucy. And let me tell you, we did not receive gold, frankincense, or myrrh whenever we had our baby showers, right? Like, I don't know. I would l- listen, if we have miraculously get pregnant again, send the gold, baby. That's what I'm saying. I'm open if we get gold, babe. I'm open to the possibility. Lord, do it however you want to. But but we didn't receive gold, frankincense, or myrrh. That's just not what we gave, right? We received a lot of onesies. We received a lot of diapers. We received uh, a stroller, car seat, a changing table, the changing pad, the diaper genie. Uh, what, what am I forgetting here? We received all kinds of stuff. What? All the blankets, right? All the, the, even some embroidered stuff on there, which we're not typically a fan of, but we got it anyway, right? Uh, we would get the snot snucker, a uh, snot sucker is what it was called. It used to look like this right here. It used to be blue, uh, and it would it holds two ounces, guys. And remember, like you would press it, stick it in the nose, and suck out the snot. They don't make these really anymore. Now they look like this. Look. It connects to the mom's mouth and you suck out the snot. How many moms have done this in here? Something is, or dads. It works, not for me, all right? It's not for me. Uh, but Stephanie, somebody doesn't bother Stephanie. They make one for gas too. That's all I'm gonna say, all right? They do. They do. They make it for gas, I'm just saying. You won't be seeing me do that either, all right? The, the baby's going to have to just learn to deal with the gas, okay? Uh, but these wise men, they brought gifts. And actually, these gifts were very practical gifts. They were actually things that they could have used. It was like getting diapers. It was like getting the very passies and those sort of things. All of these gifts, had they were incredibly practical, but they also happened to be, don't miss this, deeply spiritual. So not only were they incredibly practical, they were also deeply spiritual. And today, we're going to talk about frankincense. Y'all say frankincense with me. And the essential oil people have advised me, all right? And I'm just going to let you know what they say. If you're an oil person, may God be with you. Uh, but it was it's like a Swiss army knife of an oil. <clears throat> and it can do a lot of things. And uh, how many of y'all have ever been uh, approached by an essential oil person before on Facebook? And they say something like, you know, hey, Clint, I know we haven't talked in a long time, but my family has found financial freedom and we're feeling healthier than ever. And if you just buy into my business, right? Like you can be an oil tycoon, baby, right? And they say, say these things and it's fine. They can send me all that. We actually have a lot of oils at our house. We, they do smell amazing. I, listen, I, I, lavender, I actually like how frankincense smells. I, I like the way they smell. Um, but frankincense was an oil and it was like a all-purpose oil. It was something that like could kind of do a lot of different things, right? And uh, here's what the oil people tell me. They say, it's an antiseptic, astringent, uh, carminative, diuretic, digestive, sedative, uterine, and has vulnerary therapeutic properties. I have no idea what that means, okay? But that's what they say. It does. It does all these things. But in all seriousness, it was something that the people of the time would find very practical. That If they had sicknesses, if they had diseases or wound, it was a very practical gift for the wise men to bring to Jesus. But it was also very expensive back then. I mean, oils now are expensive, my goodness. But they, I mean, they brought enough frankincense uh, for them to actually use here. And Mary, she received these gifts and she was probably very thankful 
because this was something that they probably needed, but they probably couldn't really afford, you know? And so these wise men came and they offered them a gift that they really, really needed. But incense wasn't only used for medicinal purposes. It was actually used uh, for spiritual purposes in the Bible as well. And so what would happen is uh, the priest would go into the temple and he would dip a stick like this right here and he would dip it into the oil. This is actually a frankincense incense deal. And, uh, and they would light the oil on fire. Y'all, Lord, please don't burn this place down right now. They would light on fire. They would blow it out. Did I get it enough? I don't think I got enough. Hey, hold on one second. I don't do this at my house a whole lot, guys, I promise. They would light it on fire. They let it burn for a second so it would kind of go. They blow it out, and then you see the smoke will then begin to rise. I'll see it rising right here, right? If you're really sensitive to smells, I apologize. Stephanie made me promise not to let this last for too long. But I want to bring it down the aisle so you can kind of get an idea of how it'll smell. So, so look, it, it would, it might feedback. I'm sorry. Uh, but the, the smoke would start to rise up. You see the smoke, guys? Y'all see it happen right there? And this would represent the cries of the people rising up to God. And so God uh, would smell this incense, the Bible says, and it would be a pleasing aroma to his nostrils is what the Bible says. And it was the prayers... The, Presented the prayers of the people rising up to God. Can y'all smell it yet? I can't smell. I haven't been able to smell in like a year. So I can't smell anything. But uh, they would do this, and it would represent the people's prayers kind of rising up to God here. There we go. Okay. We're out. And uh, it would be symbolic. And so not only was it a practical gift, but it was also a spiritual thing that was going on too. The wise men may have not even known this. And so today, uh, that's why Bible scholars believe that the, the frankincense represents the priestliness of Jesus. The priestliness of Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about Jesus, our high priest. All right? Y'all say high priest. And y'all just bear with me. Today's going to be a little bit more of a heady message, a little bit more educational than it normally is. But I hope you learned something. There's a lot to be taken from this as well. But how many people in here were raised Catholic? Anyone in here ever been, ever been to a Catholic church or something like that? Okay. So a few of you have been to one or maybe you were raised that way. The idea of a priest would not be foreign to you if you were raised that way. I was not. I was raised Southern Baptist as they get. And so a priest was like, what? What do they do that? Like, what do you have to do. And I just didn't know this stuff, but the priest was something that was very important in scripture. The priest would do, they had two, they had one primary role that had two functions in that role, if that makes any sense. And so they were, the, the primary role that they served was that they were to represent the people to God. They were the people's representative. And so you wouldn't go and ask forgiveness for your sins. You would go to the priest and the priest would deal with God and he would represent you to God. Does that make sense? That was their primary thing. But it was based into two, it was uh, fleshed out in two different functions. And this is what the screen says right now. They would, they would make sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins and they would also pray prayers on behalf of the people to God. That's how they represented you to God. So if I was a priest, I would do these things for you guys. I would make the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, and I would pray the prayers on behalf of the people to God. And that's what priests did. That's how they served the people. They did those two things. And I want to talk about that for a moment. I want to talk about what the priests did back then so we can kind of understand it for a second. Um, ever since Adam and Eve ate of the fruit 
in, it was really actually Eve first. I just want to say, I'm just joking. Adam, I'm sure he was there. All right, but, but Eve ate the fruit and it messed us all up forever. And ever since then, we've had two opposing forces on earth and they, they're not going anywhere anytime soon until Jesus comes back. And these forces are this, it's the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. All right, so ever since they ate of the fruit, we all of a sudden get put, we put ourselves inside this war where the holiness of God is battling the sinfulness of man. And there's always this tension. There's always this thing. And we don't really like to talk about the sinfulness of man a whole lot. But these two forces are opposing forces, the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. And uh, admittedly, sin isn't something that's very popular in today's culture. Some people would say it's an outdated thing. Uh, it's, it's not a popular concept. Some people would say, uh, you can't tell me what I can and cannot do. How many of y'all know people like that, right? They're like, you can't tell me what I can and can't do. Or they might say something like, hey, it's not as bad as other things that people do. Like it, it, what I'm doing might not be great, but it's not as bad as what they do. Or they might say something like, well, sin is fun. And I would agree with you. Sin is very fun, right? Like some sin can be very fun. Uh, some people even said that sin is an outdated term that is used to trick kids into doing something good. All right, and how many of y'all are like, I can't believe they would do this, but how many of y'all have an elf on the shelf at home, right? Like all of a sudden, your, your, your little elf is tattling on your children to Santa, right? And they're telling them like, oh, I, I saw you mistreat your brother or sister, right? And you had this elf on the shelf mentality. A lot of people treat sin that way, like that it's just a way to make us do good things, right? But really, uh, the, here's the challenge. Is sin is a very real thing, and it's something that we really have to talk about. And it's completely opposed to the holiness of God. We have to understand the reality of the sin because of this. Holiness of God, because we have to understand the reality of sin because it's completely opposite of the holiness of God. And if we don't understand the holiness of God, we will always have a casual approach to sin. If we don't fully understand the holiness of God, we'll always have a casual approach to sin. And if we never realize the wholeness of God, then we'll never realize the cost and the tragedy of our sin. So what does it mean to be holy? I want to talk about that for a second. What does holy even mean? Holy comes from the Greek word hagios. Y'all say hagios. Come on, y'all got to say hagios. There we go. There we go. And it means separate or other. That's what this word means. And it means that God, being holy, it means that God is transcendently separate. God is perfect in every single way. He's different than us. He's flawless. He's pure. There's no fault. There's no wrong. Our God is transcendently other. Like there's nothing that even comes close to him. He's very, very different than you. And holiness, listen to this. Holiness is not just an, it's not an attribute of God. It's not just one of the attributes of God. No, holiness is the perfection of all of God's attributes. So here's what I mean. God's power is holy. God's grace is holy. God's knowledge is holy. God's mercy is holy. God's glory is, is holy. His presence is holy. So holiness is not just an attribute of God. It's the perfection of all of his, of all of his attributes. And you got to listen to this. His holiness, that's why we sang that song we just sang. That sings, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We sing that because his holiness is what makes him worthy of being praised. Nothing else that you interact with is holy. 
But God is alone. He's separate. He's in his own category. And his holiness, that him being that way, is what makes him worthy of our praise. And God is holy. And our challenge is, is that we're not. We're not holy. None of us are. Not you, not me, not the really nice person that you work with, not your, your old lady neighbor who's super sweet that makes great cookies during Christmas time. Like They're not holy either. The Bible tells us that actually we've all sinned and we've actually fallen short of God's standard. You see, God's standard is holiness. That's what he expects. He can't be around sin. Sin is completely opposite of him. He can't stand it. But the, the Bible tells us that when we sin, we actually fall short of that standard. And there's no way that we can ever be holy. Welcome to church, everybody, right? Like we just, we can't earn our way into heaven because to be with God means that you have to be holy. And we cannot be holy. God, that's why God hates sin. It destroys your intimacy with God. It destroys your relationship with God. It destroys your life. It destroys your family. It destroys everything about you sin does. And God is the complete opposite of that. That's why he hates sin. He hates sin because of what it does to us. God hates sin because he loves you. He loves you so much that he hates the sin that you do. He hates it. He, he can't stand to be around it. He can't look at it. He can't, I mean, he hates sin, but he hates sin because he loves you. It comes out of a place of love. God is love. But God hates sin because he loves you. Now the high priest in the Old Testament, one time a year, they would make a sacrifice that, and it would be a temporary, y'all say the word temporary, come on, and he would, they would make a temporary payment for the sins of the people. And so that was called the Day of Atonement, or, uh, or it was called Yom Kippur, you may have heard of that before, but that once a year, the priest would make a sacrifice, and it would temporarily cover the sins of the people. And so here's what the priest would do. He would sacrifice a lamb, a goat, an animal that was clean. It was completely perfect. It was probably really, really cute. And he would come and he would, he would, he would kill it. He would sacrifice it. And then he would go into what's called the Holy of Holies. And it wasn't unlike this room too much, right? Like they had, the, the whole tabernacle was made of curtains. The, these curtains were hung, they were hung up around just like these, this pipe and drape is even up here. And they would set up this place. And so there would be like the common area of it. But inside this certain part, the deepest part of the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies. And that's where God's literal presence would sit. It would sit on the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies. And only a priest could go in there. And they could only go in there if they were cool. Like if they, if they confessed their sins, if they were living in sin, they, like being in God's presence would kill them. Why? Because God is holy and we're sinful. And he can't be around sin. And so he would sacrifice an animal for his sins. He would confess his sins. Then they'd sacrifice another animal, and that would cover the sins of the people. Then he would take that uh, blood, and he would go through the curtain. He would go behind the curtain, just like this right here, except this curtain was inches thick. It was huge. And they would go in there, and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat in there. And then, this is the craziest part, he would... After he sprinkled, the, the sins would be paid for. And then they would, have, have, you, ever, have you ever heard the, the term scapegoat? Have you ever heard that term before? Um, this is where this comes from. And then he would confess the sins of the people to a goat. 
this is weird, I know it's weird, that he would confess the sins to the goat. And all of a sudden, after he would confess the sins of the people to the goat, someone would take that goat and they would drive him out of town. And they would drive that goat out of town. Sometimes they would even do it off a cliff. I mean, it was kind of strange. And I, let me just say this. I'll be the first to tell you, that's weird, right? Like, that's just really strange. And, uh, but it was really powerful because the death of an innocent one would go into the place of the guilty one as a payment for your sins. And so when he would sacrifice that animal for the payment of the sins of the people, uh, he was placing the guilt of you onto that animal and he would kill that animal instead of killing you. And then whenever they would, they would, they would whisper the sins to the goat and they would drive the goat out of town, that represents the separation of your sins from you anymore. And it's weird, right? Like we look at that and we're like, that seems like a lot of work and that's strange. And I want you to just imagine for a second. If I brought a little lamb up here right now, I'm serious, and you were in here watching it, and I had to slit its throat in front of everybody, and then that thing was twitching and making terrible sounds and bleeding into a bucket. All of you would be like, I'm never coming back here ever again, right? Like, you would be like, this is crazy. And, and some of you would even feel bad for the lamb, all right? How many of y'all would feel bad for the little lamb? I would feel bad for the lamb. I don't hunt. Some of you hunters are like, oh, I'd take that lamb meat home right now. You know, you, all that stuff, which is fine. But I, I just would feel bad. I would feel bad for the little thing. And then all of a sudden, I have to talk to a goat and then make it run away. Like, this is all really strange. And if you put yourself in this shoes, it's like, this is weird. And it's unfair. Like, it's unfair for that little animal to die instead of you. Like, this, it just seems cruel. It seems a little harsh, right? But I want you to understand something. God is holy and he's just Listen to me, he's just. He has to punish sins because he's holy. And he's also just. So he has to punish sins. But not only, listen to me, is God just, but God is also merciful. And so here's the beauty of what God does. I want you to hear this and understand this. The sacrifice satisfies God's justice. Okay, so whenever the priest would sacrifice that animal, and he would sprinkle the blood on the seat. That would satisfy God's justice temporarily. And then the scapegoat running out, symbolically running out with all the sins of the people, and he would be separating the sins from the people. That would So not only would the sacrifice uh, satisfy God's justice, that would also at the same time extend mercy because God was removing the sin from the people. He was separating the sin from the, from the people. And so here's what I mean. Someone else pays the price for the forgiveness of sins. So his holiness and his justice are satisfied and he extends mercy to the people he loves so much. That's what God does. And this was a temporary covenant that God made with the people. This was a temporary covering under the old covenant is what I meant to say. It's a temporary covering under the old covenant. But let me tell you some good news. This, they would have to do this every year. And this was your only hope of like being good with God was being a part of this. But we're not under the old covenant anymore. And maybe you're new to faith and you don't realize this, uh, but we're actually people of the new covenant. We don't operate the same way. That's why on Sunday mornings on Easter, you don't come in here and we're not killing a, a lamb in here in front of everybody. Well, because we don't operate under that anymore. 
We're under a new covenant, a new way of doing things. It says this, and I'm going to tell you about a sacrifice that was better, and it was a sacrifice that our high priest made. It says this in Hebrews chapter 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy. So God needs us to be holy if he wants to have a relationship with us, if we want to have a relationship with him. By the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Not temporarily, not every year. No, no, no. Once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never really take away the sins. It can't really, really take it away. It's only temporary. But our high priest, Jesus, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, and it's good for all time. Come on, somebody. That is exciting. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now, listen to me. The old way of doing it was temporary, but when Jesus died for you, when Jesus died on the cross for you, it was good for all time. And it completely satisfied God's justice while at the same time offering us mercy. Come on, y'all give God a hand for what he's done for us. Jesus is so good. Thank you, God. And that's what it's about. You know, Stephanie's birthday present to me this year uh, was this right here. And it's a blanket, all right? And y'all are thinking, there's a handprint on this. Did you touch this when you? Okay. And, and this is Stephanie's blanket or huh uh maybe yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna reveal it in a second okay this is her this is her present to me for my birthday this year and you're like you're thinking it's a blanket let me show you this blanket are you ready for this here babe hold my mic for me hold my mic look. yeah 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 yeah. look at this thing look 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 hold on that's half of it that's half of it watch this look at this look at this right here this blanket this blanket is 10 feet by 10 feet. Come on. It's called the big one. I love it. That's what the blanket's called. And I, I saw it popped up on my Instagram, and I was like, babe, I want this blanket. But the blanket on Instagram was like 150 bucks. And so we ain't, we ain't getting a $150 blanket. And she saw this at Kohl's for $30, everybody. Y'all give Steph a hand, the bargain hunter over here. But this is her thing. And this blanket can cover anything, like our entire family can be under this blanket on the couch at the same time. And we still have room and no one's fighting. It's amazing. Now, Scott, can you come up here for a second? You're, you're the, the, other than me, the biggest dude in the room. All right, come on up. Just stand right here. I want to show you something. I want to show you what this picture looks like. You stand face this way right here, okay? Uh, this blanket's going to represent Jesus for a second, okay? It's not quite that good, but it's a pretty good blanket, okay? Um, and, and what Jesus truly did for you. Now, before Jesus, God would look at Scott, and he would just see Scott. Now, you're a fine-looking man, all right? And not in a weird way, you're a fine-looking man, all right? But God would look at you, and he would see Scott. But the problem is, like we talked about earlier, Scott is sinful, right, Susan? Right? I'm joking. Don't respond right now. But he's sinful. And God can't stand to look at Scott if he's full of sin. He, he can't be around Scott. Scott can't be with God. 
And, and what Scott would have to do, he used to have to go to the temple and he would temporarily get the sacrifice and God could kind of look at him then, right? Because he would have this temporary sacrifice. But when Jesus died on the cross, he, he took it to where, here, take this, babe. He made it to where now Scott gets to put on Jesus. He gets to do this. Up. Look, you look like a wizard, dude. You look awesome. Oh, you look like Gandalf right now. But listen, you could cover Scott's whole family with this thing, right? But, but what Jesus does is he covers everything up. And now when God looks at Scott, he doesn't see Scott. He doesn't see sin. He doesn't see unholiness. He sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He sees holiness. He sees the blood of Jesus. And that makes it to where Scott can have a relationship with Jesus. And he, Scott can be made holy through the work of Jesus. And that's what Jesus did for you and for me. And that's why it's such a big deal. Come on, y'all give Scott a hand. You can't have this, but you can take it to your seat if you want. Y'all can, can cuddle through the end of the message, all right? Good luck. Don't trip, please. We do have insurance, but I, that's really annoying to go through. Okay, but you see, uh, it's not a temporary government or covering. <laughs> Good luck. It'll take about 10 years to get out of that thing. But listen, Scott's not temporarily covered with that. Jesus didn't offer a temporary covering. He had a permanent removal of your sins. That's what Jesus does. When you're covered with Jesus... Man, that's all God sees, and you're all of a sudden you're made holy. And all of a sudden that battle between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, it's done. So here's what the Bible says, continuing on that same passage in Hebrews chapter 4. Since then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And listen, this is where it comes home for you today. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same things that we do, yet he didn't sin. He faced everything that you're facing right now, and he still remained holy. And I hope you embrace this truth today. Jesus, he understands your weakness. Jesus relates to your trials. Jesus sympathizes with your pain. He understands what you're going through in this very moment, right now. If you feel stressed, if you feel overwhelmed, Jesus knows how you feel. And it's okay to feel that way, by the way. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was overwhelmed to the point of death, the Bible says. You know what that means? That means Jesus was like having some dark thoughts, overwhelmed to the point of death. And he cried out to God that he would take away that feeling. And God didn't really remove it for him. If you're struggling on how to deal with that person in your family that's really difficult to deal with, we all, let's, let's just be honest, we all have that crazy person in the family, right? How many of y'all have a crazy person in your family? Raise your hands. Come on, don't be shy. Raise it, don't be shy. If someone around you is not raising their hand, they're the crazy one, okay? But listen, we all, but in all seriousness, 
We all have those people in our family that are hard to deal with, and some of them might be your parents, some of them might be your kids, or uh, a daughter-in-law, son-in-law, just a, a dynamic that's hard to deal with. Jesus knows how you feel. He had crazy in his family too. In fact, when Jesus said that he was the Messiah, his family said that he was crazy and that he had lost his mind. That's what his own, Jesus' own family said about him. Think about for a moment just how much Jesus understands so that you can understand how much he cares. I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus was conceived out of wedlock to a teenage mom. That is scandalous, right? Like the savior of the world conceived out of wedlock to a teenage mom. He was raised in a small town where people whispered about him and called him the bastard boy, by the way. He was bullied. He lived in poverty. He was ridiculed. He was criticized. He was tempted by the devil again and again and again. And by the way, the, the, the instance that we know about in scripture happened to Jesus when Jesus was at his most vulnerable. Hadn't eaten in 40 days. He was tired. He was hungry. He was worn down. He hadn't really done anything miraculous at this point yet. And I'm telling you, he was at his most vulnerable point. And that's where the devil tried to attack him. and let he, he, But he never sinned. Jesus experienced the death of a close friend. He grieved the loss of family members. Jesus was accused of things that he didn't do. His friends betrayed him. And worst of all, he felt abandoned by God at the cross. There are some people in here where you feel like you've been abandoned by God. And you feel like church is the place. I could never go to church. Like God doesn't even want me at church. If you feel that way, Jesus has felt that way. He was hanging on the cross and he felt abandoned by God. The Bible says that, that he cried out to God and God didn't even answer him. God literally looked away. Jesus was, was carrying the sin of, the, of all of humanity, past, present, and future. And while he was doing that, God, because he's holy, he couldn't look at the sight of Jesus. So he had to look away. And, he's, and Jesus is yelling like, God, where are you? Like, I need you right now. And he felt abandoned by God. He wasn't abandoned by God, but he felt that way. God had turned, turned away from him. If you ever feel like you can't feel the presence of God, Jesus understands how you feel. That's how he felt in that moment. In fact, whatever you feel right now, Jesus has felt that way before. Wherever you hurt, he's hurt. He's our great high priest who sympathizes with you. He doesn't look at you and go, sucks to be you. No, he looks at you and goes, I know how you feel. I felt that way before. I've experienced that thing before. So imagine. Imagine the detail of God for a moment. I want you to think about this. He sent wise men from a country that was really far away. It took them years to get there. To give this little boy frankincense, myrrh, gold, and somehow in God's sovereignty, they were giving him gifts to prophesy what he would be to us today. 
Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter four. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. Because he knows how you feel, because he's been where you've been before, because he's experienced what you're experiencing right now, because he's felt the same hurt, you don't have to approach him like a coward. You don't have to timidly go up to him. No, you can go to God, you can go to Jesus with confidence. You know, one of my favorite things every single day is the morning, well, sometimes it's my favorite thing, the morning time. Our kids don't come out of the room until seven o'clock. That gives mom and dad some time to just kind of wake up before they do. But every morning, little Lucy, she's our youngest, she will come out of bed and you can tell that she's been sleeping because she looks hungover. She looks drunk and just like, and she'll come out. And the first thing that she'll do is she'll look at me. She'll see me sitting on the couch and she'll just come over and get in my lap and she'll come one of the highlights of my day every day. I love it. She doesn't approach me scared. She doesn't approach me afraid. She doesn't approach me cautiously. No, she just comes up to her dad. That's how you can come to God right now. You can just come to him. Well, Clint, I'm pretty mad at him. Okay, come to him. I'm pretty hurt by the church. Okay, come to him. Clint, you don't understand. I I have like suicidal thoughts. Okay, come to him. So today, I want to give you a little chance, a little gift. Okay? For you to come to God today and spend time with him in his presence. How long has it been? I want you to think about this. Since you've really enjoyed being in the presence of God. How long has it been? So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. And I want to give you some time to pray in your seat. I'm going to invite Harrison and Joey up. And I want you just to take a moment. This isn't me going to be praying for you. I want you to talk to God today. Take a moment just talk to him. Come to him boldly today. If you have a loved one who's far from God, just whisper their name right now. Just whisper their name. Pray for them. Jesus is our Savior. Some of you, you're struggling financially. There's so many expenses and and maybe not enough resources. Tell them. Tell God. Come to Him boldly right now. Jesus is our provider. Some of you are struggling physically in your body. There's something happening inside your body that needs to be healed. Tell them. Jesus is your healer today. Some of you are just tired and exhausted. Like beyond a nap. A nap's not going to fix how you're feeling. You feel weak. You feel like 
You're dreading going to work tomorrow. You're dreading going home to deal with the kids. You're dreading to make lunch after this. I mean, you're just tired, exhausted. You're completely depleted. You're running on E. Tell him, Jesus is your strength. Some of you, you're battling anxiety, panic attacks, anxiety attacks. I, I know how you feel. I've been there. But listen to me. Jesus is your peace. Whatever it is, come on, I want you to bring it to God right now. Bring it to him. Just tell him. In a moment, I'm going to ask those who need to make Jesus your Savior to raise your hand in a second. And I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision today. Jesus took on the payment for your sins. He separated sins from you once and for all. And he wants to cover you today. And his blanket's a lot better than mine. And I'll just tell you right now, he wants to cover you today. And maybe you need to make that decision today. And I'm the only one looking around, okay? On the count of three, if that's you, if you want to make that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus and to receive that covering today on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, lift him up. If that's you, lift him up. All right, you can put your hands down. If that's you, you can say this prayer after me. You can say, Jesus, I need you today. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you for paying for my sins. And God, I invite you into my life. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to sustain this attitude of worship. But y'all, can, y'all can lift your heads, open your eyes up. I think uh, I've touched on some things here at the end that you might be dealing with. And I think God wants to deal with those things. I think for some things, maybe there's something that you once had, but now is dead. Like you, you, you used to be happy, but now that's kind of gone. You used to have a great marriage, and now it's just struggling. You used to be more disciplined, and now you're just, you're feeling lazy, and you feel like you just, something in you needs to be awakened, right? Like whatever it is. Well, we're gonna give you a chance to just worship. We're gonna stand, we're gonna worship in a second. And whatever that is, I'll just it, release it. Lift your, some of you, you've never lifted your hands in worship before. Some of you need to just lift your hands and surrender today and say, God, I'm giving you this thing. I'm giving you this thing today. I'm not, I'm not going to try to deal with it anymore. Like, I'm giving it to you. And some of you today, I was listening to a podcast this week uh, that Stephanie told me about. It was talking about how the number one spiritual gift that every Christian needs to exercise, the Bible says in Corinthians, is the gift of prophecy. We all have that gift. And that doesn't mean predicting the future, by the way. That means speaking God's word over somebody. So that could be any, come in a lot of different forms of fashion, but, but the Bible says that we should desire that gift more than any other gift, the gift of prophecy. Some of you today need to prophesy over your life and say, come alive. Come on, that thing in my life, come alive. Call it out. Speak God over that situation in your life. And you need, to, you need to grow in that area of your life today. And just say, God, no, 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 today, come alive in the name of Jesus. That's what you need to say over your life. So we're gonna sing a song today. I want us to get on our feet today together and we're gonna worship. God, we love you. I pray that we understand who we're in the presence of today. 
Jesus, our healer, our maker. God, I pray that you would help us understand that the things that we might think are dead, they don't have to be dead. You can raise anything up. And so God, we prophesy of our lives today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Come on, let's worship together. Let's sing this together today.